What is marketing? Did you know that there are four principles of the marketing strategy? The people company more successful are sales and marketing. I like to think outside the box. Marketing is about value. If Nike owned, opened a hotel, I think we would be able to guess pretty accurately what it would be like. If Hyatt came out with sneakers, we'd have no clue. Because Hyatt doesn't have a brand. They have a logo. Hello and welcome to another episode of ClientCast, the podcast that explores podcasting and audio and marketing and where the three of those intersect in this brave new digital world. My name's Rod Murray and along with my co-host Mike Orloff, we bring you these episodes each fortnight with a view to educate, entertain and explore the possibilities offered by podcasting and other audio products. On this episode, we're going to focus on those other audio products when we welcome a very special guest to the show, voiceworks.ai General Manager Sophie Hind will be joining us in just a moment to talk about what was, what is and what may be in the future when it comes to audio and the way we interact with it in the 21st century. That coming shortly, but first, it's hello to my co-host and marketing expert Mike Orloff. Mike, good to be chatting again. We're both going to be outside our comfort zone today, I think. We're going to go beyond marketing, we're going to go beyond podcasting, and we're going to go into the bottomless pit of potential that is audio, and I'm genuinely excited by that. Yeah, no, same here. I'm learning, learning so much every week and, and getting to, into some uh, topics that um, I'm not very familiar with at all. I've sort of I've heard the terminology. I've, I've listened to Sophie's uh, interview a little a little while ago, and I'm going, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what to ask because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's so ama- it's so interesting to to hear. You've, well, you've seen the movie now. Let's uh, read the book. I'll send you an invoice for all that learning at some point, Mike. You can look forward to that. Enough out of us because waiting on the line digitally from London is somebody who, in the time it's taken me to introduce this episode, has already forgotten more about the world of communications and audio than I'm likely to learn in the next five years. Sophie Hind is the general manager of VoiceWorks.ai, but to say that she's a media and communications expert would be akin to suggesting Roger Federer plays a bit of tennis. VoiceWorks describe themselves as a voice technology and audio production company, and excitingly, Sophie's going to help us explore just what that means in a world that continues to change at a pace that can be difficult to keep up with. Sophie, welcome. It really is a treat for us to have you join us today, and I am really looking forward to having this chat. Thank you, Rod. It's great to be here. Indeed. Let's start with a pretty basic question. This is a bit of a tee-up for you, Sophie. It's a bit of a free kick. What is it that VoiceWorks does would be the question. So I'm going to add one that's going to make you think a bit. I want you to answer that question in conjunction with... 10, 20, 30 years ago, was there a space for what VoiceWorks do in this market? Good question. 10, 20, 30 years ago, I was working in commercial radio. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely in the audio space and with a passion for audio, but there wasn't a space for what VoiceWorks do now. Um, there was only really a space in the last five years, and that's where the idea came to me. Set up the business about two or three years ago because – Audio has been around for a long time, Mm -hmm. as you know, and radio, but podcasting kind of started about 15 years ago, but really took off in the last five years, which led to this explosion in audio. But what really drove me to set up VoiceWorks was what was happening in voice technology at the same time. So this emergence of smart speakers, Amazon and Google being very clever with Black Friday deals and Christmas deals and getting these small pieces of plastic we call smart speakers in in the corners of our homes. And that was what really excited me. So audio exploding, but then voice technology as a method of delivery for audio. So exciting content, more and more people listening to audio, but new channels to deliver it. Mm. And the way that us as human beings and consumers have started accessing audio using our voice 
and voice only as a conversation uh, really changed the game. And that's what led us to set up VoiceWorks. I reckon we all watched the Jetsons all those years ago and imagined that it would never happen. And I find myself sometimes sitting in a situation like this, we're all looking at each other on Zoom, and it's exactly what happens. What's happened, the reason I ask that, Sophie, is because I have to pinch myself occasionally. It feels to me like we're on the edge of something potentially really exciting and new and explosive and almost a new medium. That distribution channel, and it's really the phone, is what we're the, the mobile phone has changed all of that, but probably more so for audio, ironically, than any other medium. Am I right about that, or do I just get too carried away? No, you're absolutely right, because um, when we talk about voice assistants, everybody has one on their phone. Pretty much everybody has a mobile phone, whether it's Android or Apple, and you'll all have Siri or Cortana, you know, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Google, they all have voice assistants and they're all built in. Um, so the biggest use of voice and the biggest use of voice search is via a mobile phone. And around half of people already use their voices to search for information because I think the human behavior aspect of this and where it's so exciting um, for audio is what fascinates me. You know, as human beings, we're inherently lazy. I know I am. Mm. So if it's easier to ask something mm. than type it, I think we can speak about 150 words a minute. And most people can only type about 40. So when you think about the implication of that for something like Google, so if you're doing a Google search on your laptop, you'll have noticed a couple of years ago that the little microphone appeared mm. in the search box, uh, which meant that people could click that and speak to their laptop instead of typing. And when Google first came along, we all learned this new language. Um, I saw some data which was fascinating that when people first started searching by Google, they were effectively writing letters. It was almost like, <laughs> dear Google, please can you find me the nearest DIY shop? And then we all suddenly trained ourselves to do short form. We all became search experts and learned how to just put in the search terms like, you know, timber store near me. Yeah. And it's now moving the other way. So we've gone from we can type to get stuff to we can just ask. We can just ask our laptop. We can ask our smart speaker. We can ask our phone. When I'm, I travel a lot for business and, you know, when I'm in a new town, I can just speak and go, you know, tell me where the nearest coffee shop is. And it's quick, it's instant, but it's also intuitive. And that's where the excitement is for me with audio, because if you ask something by voice, what you expect is high quality content to be returned. What you don't want to hear is a digital assistant in a very clunky way, reading off a website or a Wikipedia page. So where brands will win is having rich human voiced audio content that can be returned for these searches, which reflect their brand values. It's uh, <laughs> the questions are almost endless just based on the very first question that you've answered there. You just reminded me one of my favourite things ever about the internet was probably about 10 years ago, a young guy posted one of his grandmother's Google searches and in the address bar it says, dear Google, could you please tell me where this <laughs> was just, this, just like you were saying, it was uh, extraordinarily funny stuff. In some ways, that's kind of not what we do here, the voice search technology, and I can see exactly what you're talking about there. You gave me some amazing statistics when we were setting up this interview about what's happening in that space. What are the numbers around those devices? I think I might be in an in-between generation. I'm not a big Siri user, except in the car when I need to talk to Siri rather than pick up the phone and get a massive phone. Don't have one of those devices at home, but I'm not sure I'm in the minority, Sophie, but I'm certainly... Uh, not at the, not in the majority necessarily either. What are the, some of the numbers about around that? 
Well, it's interesting. So Alexa or Amazon say there are 100 million devices around the world with Alexa built in. So that could be a smart speaker. Uh, There's an in-car application now. They're building it into fridges so that your fridge can tell you when you're running out of something. Or um, so, so 100 million devices. And Google announced at the beginning of last year that 500 million people a month were using the Google Assistant around the globe. So it's absolutely huge. And another thing that we're seeing is that, particularly with smart speakers, people will buy multiple smart speakers. It's like the old days of radio when you had an FM radio and you'd have one in the kitchen and one in the bathroom and in your bedroom people will have them around the house and they'll use multiple devices just as a communication tool so in our house my daughter will there's, there's a drop-in function which is like an effective tannoy i have a teenage daughter she'll just tannoy me from her bedroom because she can't be bothered to come downstairs <laughs> via the voice assistant you know to ask for something she'll use it to cheat on her homework so she'll be sitting there and she'll ask Alexa a math question. You know, in the old days, we'd have had a textbook mm. or an Encyclopedia Britannica or something. Um, you know, the generation before her would have searched on an iPad, but her generation will just ask. Just ask. They'll ask a voice assistant. It's incredible. Well, it's terrible. To flip that around a bit, Sophie, from the other side, audio production is our sort of going. I know it's part of what you do as well. What's the importance of what comes back when we speak to these devices and how much work is sort of done around that? And what do we know about what people suspect. I guess one of the things that I think we sell here as part of the product is good quality audio. It's important in this space, isn't it, that whatever comes back is intelligible, firstly, but what's the importance and what do we know about the importance of what comes back from those devices when you ask them a question? Yeah, it's it's really, really important. So we've worked very closely with Amazon and Google and two years ago, we do a lot of work in sport and two years ago they were saying to us, we're getting more sport requests than we can handle. People are asking for information and we don't have the human voice audio content to return, which led us to launch a product. And that's you know a whole other conversation for another day. But what it tells us is that we, we want, you know, the way that we hear information is so important and the way that it reflects brand values. And, and something I would you know urge you to do with your business is when, when we're talking to businesses, we'll often say, well, what's, Alexa got on you. If you're, uh, you know, Fred's supermarket, ask the smart speaker about your business and hear what comes back. And you probably won't like it. Um, So having high quality human voice audio is really, really important for a good experience in the same way that marketeers have spent millions over the years on visual uh, visual guidelines. You know, everybody loves a big logo. We always say with sound, your logo can be as big as you like because it's in the theatre of somebody's mind. But, you you know, how a brand looks is so important, whether that's logo, visual brand guidelines, uh, people have spent a fortune establishing their search position, and that's all out of the window now and, and will become more so in the future. You have to have a set of audio brand guidelines that match how you look. So how you sound needs to be as good as how you look. That's probably the best way to, to think about it. So as a brand... You need to be able to return consumers information in the format that they want it um, and make it quick and easy for them. And and a a great way to do that with audio that we recommend is, you know, if you if you take a website and you think about what are your most frequently asked questions, it's it's start by turning those into audio, short form audio or microcasts, you know, very short, you know, turn your blogs into audio. 
so that people can access that information in the way that they want to. Yeah. You'll never reduce your audience in that way, will you? You only stand to increase it. It's unlikely to stay flat, but the only way it can possibly go by adding audio is to increase it, isn't it? What about Completely. things like, t- this may be more advanced than where we are at this stage yet. Many years ago, I worked at the casino in Sydney, and one of the etiquette ta- courses they taught us about dealing with people from around the world was the importance of inflection in presentation, this is about TV and radio, and the example I used was a very simple sentence. I didn't say he stole the money. And depending where you put the emphasis in that sentence, it has six completely different meanings. I didn't say he stole the money. 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 So you can see the importance of some of that. We've all had that unsatisfying experience, Sophie, of asking a device something and getting that robotic computer-generated voice coming back what do we know about that and what's likely to happen in that space in coming years are voice actors about to enter a golden era (laughs) being the ones to read uh i think they absolutely are funnily enough i'm speaking at a a voice conference in august you know with with voiceover artists on this very subject in london but um yeah what we know is we're not very tolerant of it however voice recognition is improving all the time Mm -hmm. and um the text-to-speech businesses that are out there are massively improving things like inflection and different types of voices. It, you know, there's multiple languages to consider. Mm. So at the moment, I would say if, if you're a brand, there is no substitute for the human-voiced element. There are lots of news services out there already that take news websites and turn them into text using the, the text-to-speech. But personally... I don't find I can listen to it for very long. And I think that's true of, you know, the general population. So I would urge businesses and, you know, public bodies to really think about audio's superpower, which is its ability to engage, its ability to convey emotion. And, you know, it's something we talk about a lot with our sporting clients. Your sport is all about emotion and passion and you can't convey that through text to speech. If you if you took a piece of commentary and you know put a human voice version with a text to speech version side by side, it would be a completely different experience. And my favorite kind of analogy is if you think about the hundred meter sprint, you know, we've got the Olympics coming up, fingers crossed, <laughs> in <laughs> yes, a couple of months. That's right, yes. Um they start the hundred meters with a bang uh-huh. and not a flash. And that's because our brains can process sound faster than sight. The way we respond to it, the way we react to it is incredible. And that's what marketeers and brands need to tap into. Yeah, there's a whole other world about to be discovered. Mike, you're in marketing. What does Sophie need to do to sell you on the notion? What are the questions you have for Sophie? You've got customers and they're saying to you, what role have we got for audio? Or perhaps you're saying to them you should think about some audio. What, What does Sophie need to convince you of to go that next step and say, right, let's start experimenting with some of this stuff? Yeah, the um, best way to position this because you know, a lot of our clients that I work with are smaller clubs, sporting clubs, not in uh, footy and all that, but more in in golf and 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 um, member organizations. I guess what one, one what is the demographic? I mean, is there is it just people that would be using Alexa or Cortana now, or is it more a um, like myself? I don't use the the voice to activate. You know, I I type it in or I'm looking at keywords. What you were mentioning a lot with uh, with SEO. I guess that does that. One one part is around the the age. Is there is there a specific demographic that would be more in use to having audio communication or podcasts? In terms of podcasting, the numbers are really interesting. Um, a few years ago, 
it was a kind of early 30s male was probably the dominant podcast listener. It was quite a, a trendy thing to do. Because we don't now, cater to them in any way, Sophie. The early 30s males got nothing to choose from in terms of entertainment <laughs> and distractions. Good Lord. Exactly. <laughs> um, but but now podcast listening is, is you know, there's still a strong kind of under 40s mm. skew, but as in most advertising mediums, there's a very strong 25, 45 audience, but there's a lot of, older audiences and younger audiences. So one of the fastest growth areas for podcast listening is sub 24. Um, surprisingly, a bit like um, when I worked in radio, people would say, oh, you know, radio's dying because the younger generation are just going to stream music and they're not going to listen to live radio. Actually didn't happen. They do both. And with podcast listening, there's been a real boom in that youth audience listening to podcasts, but also the older audience. And I think it's driven by the content. It, you know, there are podcasts out there for everybody, whether it's education, whether it's entertainment. Um, you know, there's every type of audio, and it's an easy and cheap way to produce content. It's flexible. Uh, which is why I think it's grown and it's an easy thing to listen to. And people are now, you know, it's easy to access, you know, you're walking your dog, you're, you're doing something else. You can be listening to a podcast. So, so in terms of demographic, it's quite widespread with voice technology. It's the same mm-hmm. um, in our household. We all use the devices. Um, we've done a project recently in the UK for um uh, veterans care homes so they they own a number of care homes across the country for veterans so it's an older generational product and they've we've actually created a bespoke radio station for them but delivered by alexa and google and they've put smart speakers in their care homes and it's really easy for the residents to access because all they have to do is talk to it there was a there was a great study in the states as well about um, dementia care and also using voice assistance in a loneliness project for older people who live on their own because there's no setup. You just talk to the device. There's a much stronger adoption amongst older generations than expected. There's some really interesting stuff to unpack in there. This one's down a rabbit hole and it may be out of your scope, Sophie. What do we know about the impact of the human voice as a communication tool? People have been predicting the death of radio forever as they have done quite often for newspapers, there's something about the written word and there's something about the human voice too, is there not, that makes it almost indispensable in communication. Even video relies almost entirely on good quality audio to be watchable. Yeah, I think one of the the strongest arguments is for things like podcast listening, it tends to be a solo experience. Often with audio, we're listening in-ear with earbuds or headphones because we're going for a walk or doing something else. And therefore it's completely personal. You're completely focused. Um, Whereas with video and TV, we know that people are often second screening or doing something else. They're more easily distracted Um, in terms of kind of a media evaluation, you know, a Facebook ad or, you know, a, a video view on, YouTube or Twitter, I think it's measured in six seconds dwell time. You know, the average podcast is probably 45 minutes to an hour and the average listen through rate for a podcast is about 80%. Mm. So as a, as a business or an advertiser, if you're doing a piece of branded content, 
it's all about you're buying the engagement, you're buying the one-to-one ownership of brain space, and you're buying the attention, and your message will have far more impact than you know a, a video ad on Twitter or something. We are we are really just at the start of a lot of this, aren't we? We're going to be learning as we go, I'm sure. Have you got some examples from along your journey of the last couple of years? That perhaps you've even been surprised by the success of something you've tried and gone, wow, that really hit a mark that we weren't perhaps expecting or exceeded expectations for the client. Have you, what sort of things have you seen that perhaps we don't think about but that have proved to be potentially big big areas of growth? Yeah, one, one area that I really like and was you know quite sort of touched by early on was um, we've done quite a lot of work, <coughs> excuse me, uh, quite a lot of work with local authorities so kind of regional councils in the UK. And we did a project with Glasgow City Council on fostering and adoption. And it was really interesting. If you think about those public sector bodies, they have so much information that they have to communicate to the public. A lot of it is print-based or website-based. It can be quite hard mm-hmm. to consume and cut through and we worked with them on a fostering and adoption project. They, you know, they were trying to attract more people to foster or adopt children. A really emotive issue, but also quite a personal issue. And historically, if you were interested, you'd probably be sent loads of brochures to read. Mm-hmm. You might go to a meeting, which is quite a public thing to do, to hear more about it. And some people aren't necessarily ready to show that. And so we worked on a whole series with them where... We turned everything they would normally do in that process into audio, into podcasts. And it was amazing. It was so emotive. It was so successful. And everything from talking to the experts about what is the process, talking to people that have been through the process about how it felt, the ups and downs. But what it gave them was a suite of content that people that are interested can consume in their own time, you know, in a very private way, but we could convey all the emotion of families and how they felt when they went through the adoption process and what an amazing experience it was. And I think that's a a brilliant case study. And we've since gone on to do more work in that area with other public sector bodies. So that's just one example, but I think it's a really interesting way of taking something that's been done one way for so long and using audio to completely bring it to life, but also bring it into people's homes, you know, and allow them to discover that process in, in the timescales that they want to. That's really quite powerful, isn't it, Mike? In a marketing sense, that would be a very difficult thing to achieve with a big budget and lots of creative minds to think about. It, it must have your mind racing to think about ways that you can use some of this sort of information and these communication tools for your clients. Yeah, I, I like the word that um, stuff used with um, emotive. And, you know, my, my background, I played a lot of music when I was younger and it's all about the motion and the right notes and starting to make me think about and when you have a customer experience it's all about how how people how they make you feel not what you've seen or what you're getting but how they actually make you feel the emotional side of it <clears throat> so i can see where that that sound that the that soothing voice hopefully soothing and not some um, irritating or whatever <laughs> it is you know or it can go a lot of different ways but uh, you know that probably hits a different nerve in in us as people and and that whole 45 minutes of of listening i mean that's a that's a deep engagement with someone that that's like we've, we've talked about before, it's, you know, I'd rather have 10 people that are f- highly engaged than a hundred people that are just flipping on by for a couple seconds, you know, but those aren't the ones that are going to be my customers. I want the ones that actually care and that want to take time and listen to what, what we have to say 
you know, so that, that tying into that emotion, I think is a big key in mar- in the marketing sense as well. We're tapping into some almost quite broad societal issues here, so perhaps we should stop before we get too far, because when you really start to dig, there's some extraordinary things happening. Some basic sort of questions, Sophie. Anybody who's got a business who's thinking that perhaps producing some audio, be it a podcast or some sort of presence, when you said earlier, check what your business is like on Alexa, I'm going to go and do that at some point. I'm going to be one of those who's disappointed, as you said, at what comes up, because I've not given that any thought. It's something that needs to be added too. So I guess we need to think about then some of the practicalities of a small to medium-sized business or somebody who's in marketing who looks after a bunch of small to medium-sized business, somebody like Mike, what sort of suggestions they can make. Some of the questions that come to my mind coming from the production side, as you'd expect. Anyone can buy a microphone. Should anybody just buy a microphone? What do you need to think about in terms of the quality of what you put into the marketplace? Yeah, I think the phrase we always use is, Anybody can make a podcast, but not anybody can make a good podcast. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not meant to sound arrogant. What's been great about the explosion in podcasts out there is hobbyists. But when it comes to marketing your brand, the strongest piece of advice I can use is get a professional. Um, you need to apply the same rigor and disciplines to creating a podcast or a piece of audio as you would to producing a radio show, for example. So you need to work with professionals that understand audio, who understand how to keep an audience engaged and how to keep them coming back. So, you know, you need to create a series of podcasts. So how do you keep that listener wanting to come back for more, but also understanding those pieces of content as standalone and the quality of the audio is very important too. I think with podcasts, it's great that, we're, they are a more relaxed and informal medium than, say, a live radio show. And and people are more tolerant of that. And the word authentic is used a lot with podcasting, as I'm sure you know. It's it's people talking. It's not scripted. It's not acting. It's real people talking about real issues most of the time. But the quality of that conversation, the con- conciseness of it, the quality of the audio is really, really important. So treat it as you would any of your other brand guidelines. And you know, music's important. You know, having audio identity is important. So I would, I would say, you know, talk to a professional and get their help. And that, you know, a good, a good production company will help you take a concept into something that actually will work for the listener. Because the way that we listen, as we've discussed, is very different to the way that we view content. You're in business, Sophie. I'm in business. Mike's in business. And the very first thing I think when you're telling me, God, what's that going to cost? Can I afford it? What's a reasonable thing to consider? Most business people have some form of experience with print, no doubt, mm-hmm. making a brochure or a catalogue or taking out an ad in a local paper. Where does audio sit in terms of sort of cost and then return on investment? Because obviously price and value are two different things. We know that. Is it affordable, I guess, is the, the simple question. Yes, uh, I would say it's very affordable compared to print, compared to video. Um, it's it's not one, – one thing I would caution against is comparing it to traditional media because it's not like a media buy. You're, you're, you're paying for the content. You own the content. You get to hear when people listen to it. You know, if you buy a social media campaign, you're at the mercy of – those social media companies, they get to decide who sees your content and when. If you create a podcast um, and your your podcast production company 
we'll host it for you. It will be available on all the main networks if that's what you want. So, you know, Spotify, Apple, Google. So it's out there for all to hear. You can host it on your website. You can promote it. It's your content. You own it. And to a certain extent, it can be evergreen. So you'll get a much longer lifespan out of it. If it's something like effectively creating an audio brochure, um, it's cheap to produce relatively, especially compared to things like video. It's flexible. So as we're doing now, you can record remotely. Mm. It doesn't take a lot of time to do. So I would say it's very favorable. But in terms of return on investment, the listener numbers are going to be wholly dependent on what the content is about and how you promote that content. And again, don't compare it to buying a press ad or a radio ad because it's different. You're asking somebody or to listen so you're buying that engagement, but the return on investment for that can be really, really powerful. It's narrow cast versus broadcast, really, isn't it? If you get to the 10 people that you yeah. really need to get to, then it's done its job um, yeah. in that sense. What are the limitations here, Sophie? I feel like I want to always say we're limited only by the imagination. Is that true? Have we seen yet the full suite of what audio might become to this weird digital hybrid world that we all seem to be moving into, which COVID has accelerated. It's brought a whole bunch of people into this communication field, with Zoom is probably the best known of it, but people who would never consider using that 18 months ago are now doing daily meetings on Zoom and understanding the technology and getting used to it. How's that all going to, to play out? What, what are the perhaps the, the limitations? Uh, it feels to me like we're just on the edge of something potentially quite think, quite, quite interesting. Yeah, I think, I think we are on the edge of something. What you know, Zoom has been a revelation for a lot of businesses, hasn't it? And businesses are changing the way they operate as as a result. And hybrid working is a huge thing now, so people won't spend as much time in the office as they did. But with audio, I think what's significant is all the social media platforms are experimenting with audio at the moment. They've realised that people don't want to stop and read a tweet or there's a lot of talk about screen fatigue. So people are happier to have an audio experience. Facebook are experimenting with audio. Isn't it interesting that Apple this week have brought out, you know, their new version of iOS has got um, FaceTime with surround sound. And already we're seeing music artists promoting that, promoting, yeah. hey, listen to my new song now. You can listen in surround sound. So I think the expectations of... The younger generation is high quality audio, whether that's from their favorite pop star or whether that's from their social media platform. Um, things like um, Twitch, people doing watch alongs for sport, um, again, audio only or with visuals, but the visuals on, on a lot of platforms are almost becoming secondary. You know, I, I support Norwich City. Uh, is that bad? Just, just moving back into the Premiership. No, it's not bad. It's a yo-yo team, and I'm very passionate about them. But you know, I will, I will sometimes access this kind of fan watch along. But it's two guys sitting in a room. There's nothing visual in it. It's what they say that's important, and the banter that keeps me engaged. I don't really need to be looking at the screen. So I think we're only just on the edge of it. You know, my car can talk to me. Mm. You know, I can now use voice in the car. That's going to revolutionize. You know. Okay, it can also auto park, which I don't use because I'm an excellent parker, <laughs> but, you know, some people might. But, you know, the way that technology and voice is infiltrating all areas of our life 
is really, really significant. But I think the move by the social media giants, the move by even the video platforms into improving the sound experience tells you what you need to know about where it's going. Indeed. That car's going to be a teenager one day. It's going to talk back to you. That's what's going to happen. It's going to go from taking instruction to telling you what it thinks about everything. Mike, I always like to come to you for this, the idea of sort of takeaways. What are the couple of takeaways you've got from what Sophie said there? And Sophie, I'm going to come back to you with the same question, some takeaways for people to think about, maybe three of them. Uh, if they're, as I said, either in my, our target audience is marketers like Mike, who have clients that they can suggest to it, or who's got clients coming to them saying, should we be doing something in audio, podcast or otherwise? A couple of takeaways, Mike, to perhaps think about. Yeah, well, thank you, Anthony. We have, a, we have a few different channels that we're we're working with our clients on, and it's just where, where does audio fit into into this, you know, and, and making sure that it aligns with what their their goals are, what they're, what, what they're you know, where they're going to put their money in and where, where they're going to get the return. So it is just seeing how that mix and, and the demographic of, you know, who they're, you know who their audience is, and and you know how to interact the the best. Uh, I guess I've I've got more of a question now. <laughs> good. My takeaways um, for Sophie was just around the you know the, the practical use in a say a smaller venue or small smaller sporting associations. How, how are they using it? Is, there, is anybody doing any any cool stuff like within a clubhouse, or is it more of that team environment type space that you're seeing more of it? Or if it's a members association, or you know, are they using it to order food? for example, or anything along those lines? There's lots of possibilities. A lot of the work we're doing with rights holders is around fan engagement and taking a lot of the content that they already have. They have so much rich content that fans want access to, but most of it's video. So pre- and post-match interviews, you know, press conferences, commentary, um, turning that into audio, doing things like short-form daily updates but at a kind of grassroots level people are using audio as things like coaching tools so creating an alexa skill uh we're working on a project in golf actually at the moment um and it's about turning you know hacks you know how how to improve my swing short form audio um you know coaching which you can have you know when you're out on on the golf course in your ear you know what do I need to remember about my swing what do I need to remember about my putt so so there's coaching's important I think um rules you having audio versions of uh, if there's a new sport you know the 100 is launching this year in cricket so you know tell me about the teams tell me about the players tell me about the rules there's so many uses for audio in a really short form way that can be either delivered by a website, a phone app, a voice app. Um, but, you know, it, there's there's multiple ways, really, or just a podcast, taking the assets you already have and repurposing them into a weekly update podcast as well. It's almost old school, isn't it, Sophie? That's all. I'm a newspaper hack by trade. That's what newspapers used to do. All of those little bits of information, you know, you'd find the rules for this and the, all of the things that you're talking about were really a print. So I think it's really sort of transforming that. Yeah. My takeaway, I'm only going to come with one takeaway, and I think this is really interesting, and it plugs into the demographic question that Mike was asking. That example you gave of the veterans' care home, where the technology is accessible to a demographic of people who, who are habitually locked out of the technology. They can't work it. They can't work the phone. They can't work it. We joke about it, but it really is exclusionary. And this notion of voice-driven technology 
opens that up completely. I think of my own mum is in her early 80s. She's fantastic. She uses the phone. She texts me relentlessly. She can use Facebook and Twitter and those things. Many of her friends can't. And that notion of being able to get the information you want simply by asking the device for it, that opens up a whole world of possibilities far beyond entertainment. Really important things, potentially, right up to the you know, notions of loneliness. We know radio is popular overnight for a lot of people. People get hooked on the overnight radio, people who can't sleep when they get older. They get hooked on the host who's on overnight. They, they develop a real relationship with them. We know, that, we know that happens in podcasting as well. That's wrapped up in that human voice thing, I think. But there's something in that that's really sort of interesting and extraordinarily democratic. And that's a wonderful thing. I think the technology is not just for the young. No need to joke about getting the five-year-old to set up the video for you anymore. You can just talk to it and make it do it itself. That's uh, that's wonderful. What about for you, Sophie? I mean, you've been the guest, so it's probably unfair to ask you for your takeaways about what you've said. But what are the things you think about? What are the sort of takeaways? And what would you like other people to take away from thinking about this audio space if they're in business? I The thing I would want people to consider is whatever business you're in and whatever age group your customers are audio can work for you you know we we do work in education in travel in public sector we've done a huge campaign for the nhs we work in sport any target age demographic will consume audio it's just about creating the right content and promoting it to them in the ways that they want to listen you know, it, it's a, a brilliant tool, whether it's, um, you know, recruiting people to a university or whether you're targeting the students or the parents or both. You can use it at both ends of the spectrum. And we've done uh, projects that do just that. So I would seriously consider audio because it's where your customers are. And we know it's where your customers are because they're using voice to ask for information. And if they're not using voice, they're probably podcast and audio listeners anyway. So be where your customers are would be one. And the second thing I would say is looking good doesn't cut it anymore. You've got to sound good too. You really need to consider what your audio brand guidelines are because otherwise you're going to miss a whole section of your audience or your brand is going to be misrepresented. Yeah. We're in audio production, Sophie. So as people will rightly say, of course we would say that, but I think you make an extremely compelling case. And common sense says that everything you've said makes sense when you think about it. It's been fabulous to chat to you today. I think you're going to get a return invite. So I hope you're open to that at some point, but we really enjoyed catching up. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hopefully I can come over someday and be in the studio. That would be even better. (laughs) Even better, we'll go down to Melbourne, we'll play some golf, and then we'll do some recording. And that is a day that you can say, well, that's a bucket list stuff ticked off. Yeah, I'd love that. And Mike, it was great to meet you too. And thank you, Mike, from me. Been always always good to have you aboard. And that has been Client Cast for another episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed talking. And we will, of course, be back to do it all again here on Client Cast. Client Cast is a production of Client Cast Studios based in Sydney, Australia, but working all over the world. If you're in business or marketing and would like to offer podcasting services or even produce some audio of your own, don't hesitate to get in touch. You can find us on Twitter at at ClientCast, Facebook and LinkedIn under the same name, or you can email us direct at hello at clientcast.com.au. All of those links are, of course, available in the show notes. Make sure to follow the podcast so you never miss an episode, and we look forward to your company again in two weeks' time here on ClientCast.